Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of The Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. I'm a psychiatrist. You know, I've been trying to figure out how the mind and the brain operate with each other. There's a mind and there's a brain. How do they, how do they connect with each other? And how do they relate to the environment that we're in? Uh, not just uh, other people, but uh, the earth and trees and plants and animals. I mean, we're more connected and I'm trying to think about how we are connected. And I think coincidences help us clarify uh, the lines of connection among and between us. And they're always changing. I mean, the intensity always changes. Uh, but to notice coincidences, you got to believe they're out there. Uh, and mm. if you don't think they're out there, you ain't going to see very many of them. So one of the ways to get them more consciously in your mind, if you want to, is like uh, tell each other coincidence stories as uh, I'm, as Rachel and I are going to be doing today in our podcast. You can also read my book just coming out very soon. You can pre-order it, but it'll be out pretty soon. Uh, called uh, Meaningful Coincidences, uh, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. The order links are below for those of you on YouTube. So here's my story. I'm going to call it for today. I'm going to call it the Uber story. And just by coincidence, <laughs> I designed this one. I kind of, uh, the person in the story is named Rachel. Um, and her name is Rachel Heron. And she drives, uh, uh, she was driving Uber for Uber when uh, she told this story. Uh, she picked up a woman at the airport whose destination happened to be just happened to be the address of the apartment complex where her boyfriend oh, lived. Earlier that day, Rachel had taken her boyfriend. Rachel had seen her boyfriend take his car to the airport to take a flight to visit his sick mother. She stayed with him the night before, so she saw him drive off. The passenger began talking about herself, saying she's in town to visit her boyfriend. She's so excited. She hadn't seen him forever. Rachel related to what she was saying because her man had just left town. As they pulled into the apartment complex, Rachel said that her boyfriend also lived here. Then her stomach dropped when she saw her boyfriend's car outside his building. She started burning up inside as the passenger said, I think it's right here. This is his car. Uh-oh. The boyfriend came out of the building to help the passenger with the luggage. Rachel started hitting him, and the passenger started hitting her. Then the boyfriend tried to break them up. Finally, with her heart hurting, Rachel got back in her car while the passenger was still kicking her car. Rachel drove off with the passenger's luggage. She ended the saga with, by the way, I'm single now. <laughs> she got a decision out of that one. Well, our guest today 
does not believe in coincidences, then we all understand better about what she means by that. Rachel Hill is a digital marketing consultant, content creator, instructor, and published author. She has expertise in travel and tourism industries with a master's in business administration and MBA. She has over 12 years of professional experience in campaign creation, influencer marketing, process automation, and data and, data and analytics. She merged her expertise in tech with her passion for travel into a successful global brand with an engaged audience of over 30,000. Rachel has been featured in many press and media releases as an industry expert on Cheddar News, Norwegian Airlines In-Flight Magazine, Lonely Planet, USA Today, and Huffington Post, just to name a few. Rachel has been out there for sure. I mean, she is quite a traveler. And it's part of the reason uh, I asked her to be here, because uh, as you'll see, Rachel, one of our one of, one of the things we've noticed about coincidences is when you're traveling, you see a lot of them. That's that's we're going to see that about you. So welcome. Welcome to the show, Rachel. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you directly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and to discuss this topic because this is very different from uh, most podcast interviews that I do. So I'm really excited. <coughs> I can imagine. <laughs> what What do you think this is about? Just because you, I mean, we never met. I saw you give a wonderful talk uh, for a leadership conference that I attended on online, and ask you to to join me here. What What do you think this is about? Just because this is kind of new to you. Um, if I had to guess, and I typically don't like to listen to too many podcasts before I interview, um, to not get a prejudgment of the host. Um, but if I had to guess, I know that you are an expert in your industry. So I think we're going to talk about the tie between the science um, and maybe the the mystics or the metaphysics of coincidence and serendipity, serendipity and creation together. Or I might be taking it too far. I don't know. Maybe we're just sharing stories about things that... Um, we thought were interesting that kind of led us to a different path. Well, it, it starts with that. I mean, it, it's got to be real stories, as you know. I mean, in, in the travel business, you're going to tell stories about what happens, uh, as well as more general statements. So it starts with stories. And the story I want to start with is that you wrote in the form, I don't believe in coincidences. So why don't you tell <laughs> us what you mean by that? I'm one of those people that feels you know, if we're speaking from a spiritual perspective, excuse me, that creation is already finished, right? And that life itself is a pick your own adventure book. At least that is my <laughs> perspective. And so whichever adventure you decide to pick, I think that what we call coincidences or, um, well, let's just stick with what we consider coincidences aren't, I mean, they are coincidences, but I kind of look at them as signs and omens that the adventure that I picked, that I'm on the right path. If I'm thinking about it as a video game, right? Like as you go through a game, there 
or if you're playing Super Mario, and I'm a millennial, so I'm just going to use this example. But as you're playing Super Mario, there are points in the game where you get like bonuses or meet a friend who gives you some sort of information to help you make a better decision. And so you know what the goal is going to be. You know you're going to beat the game. You just have these omens, these signs, these serendipities, these moments, these coincidences along the way to let you know that you you picked the right adventure or that your adventure is unfolding the way that you want it to. So your your idea is, yes, there are serendipity things that happen uh, and their major function is to uh, confirm for you that you're on the right path. Yes. Or it's confirmed to you that that you're on the right path and that, you know, the things that you are creating um, are unfolding or here's more information. Here's more data here um, are more bonuses. If again, if we're going to use the idea that we're in a video game or a simulation um, to help you make a better decision or to help you continue to choose which page you want to jump to in your adventure, in your adventure book. Well, there's an element of uh, decision making on the part of the player in this. For sure. Uh, that sounds like what people call free will. Yeah, I think so. I think free will, we only have so much free will. But Agreed. I do believe. Agreed. I, and not only do we only have so much, the circumstances vary the amount we have. And Absolutely. So I, great. I'm glad to hear you you say that because uh, I, I strongly agree with that. Some stuff, you, yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's an adventure. I love. I love that you think in terms of a simulation, mm -hmm. and, and it's Super Mario. My grandson loves uh, Super Mario. Mm -hmm. uh, I love uh, loves Mario Brothers. So I have a little bit of trouble, a little bit with Super Mario, but I get an idea of it. You, you, in this adventure game, we have some ability to choose. Yes. Tell us about that ability to choose. So if we. For example, if we are playing Super Mario, we know that there are X amount of games on the board. Say there are 100 modules that you have to go to. So in the sense of free will, yes, there is a bit of free will of how you want to move around the board, but there's still the limitation of 100 modules, no matter how you move, right? So as you play each of these modules, or let's say we play a game within Super Mario, there's an option for you to explore um, these like secret tunnels where you can get, you know, extra bonuses, you meet new people, you get new tools. And so I equate that to life, right? There's the option um, that you could veer off the path and maybe explore different types of medicine or, or travel and expand your mind in different types of ways. Or you can continue to play the game and just go straight through, you know, and just know that you are going to get to the end point, but you aren't taking the initiative to or the decision to try to explore different avenues or explore different areas within this particular module that you have. Um, so that is where I think that you have the decision, right? The end point is the same. We're all going to get out of here. Like we, death is <laughs> is going to happen. But how do you want to experience the module that you are on? Do you want to just go straight through and live the life that everyone told you that you were supposed to live? Um, where society said that you had to do, be, and experience life this way? Or are you going to make 
a decision um, within the context of the limited amount of free will that we have to explore and to gather other tools, gather other information, um, to have other experiences within that module. Got it. Um, <clears throat> you can go straight through, do it the mm -hmm. way people tell you to do. You're still going to be dead at the end of it. That right. That's predetermined just by having bodies. Uh, Absolutely. That, that's just the, what we got and they get older and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the way you travel through it uh, is your own decision. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I look for having more fun and more and learning stuff. That's the for way sure. I that's the way I like to do it. I, I'm at the learning uh, entertainment interface. Uh, For that's, sure. that's what I like. Well, how do you, how, how are you doing it? What is, what is, what's kind of like your way of going through this thing? So I, I feel you, I love to learn. And the way that I like to learn is through travel. So um, I found that I've, and so even when I think about our free will or predestinations, right, like are we predetermined to do or experience or have certain things? And growing up, I always knew that I was going to travel the world in which context I didn't know um, because my mind hadn't expanded that far. But the way that I like to learn was through travel and through reading, which allowed me to travel within my mind. Um, and so I grew up as an only child. So I read a lot um, and I also played video games a lot too, which is where <laughs> I can kind of draw the parallel. Um, but when I used to read a lot as a child, I used to read these books about, you know, Egyptian history and all these different points in, in history or around the world. And I wanted to experience those things. Um, and so I found that through reading, I was able to expand my mind on history as an example, um, or how I thought about history. As I got older um, and started to travel in high school, I was actually in a international studies magnet program, which is, again, another point as I've looked back at my journey, was it serendipity or was I supposed to be in that program, which helped me become who I am today, right? Or one of the those serendipity moments where I'm like, okay, this is helping guide my decision or which page I want to jump to in my adventure or how I want to experience that jump, right? So I would say for me, it's through travel that I've learned so much and I've become the version of myself. Um, it's through travel because how I look at the construct of government or finance, finances, um, you know, socioeconomics, how I look at life is just really different because I've gathered so much data um, from around the world and from different people that I've met that it's allowed me to have more than a few pages to jump through or jump to in my adventure. But I have like thousands of pages because I've gathered all this information and I see what's possible. So I say that to say that travel has is probably my biggest and greatest educator and how I'm able to navigate through life. Um, and it keeps me humble and it keeps me always learning and it keeps me always sharp and always questioning what I thought I believed. You, you started into the travel business by knowing somehow that you were going to be traveling for your life. Yes. I mean, when you yes. were young, you knew that. 
Yes. And I think that's really important to be able to have that sense of yourself right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And where that comes from is kind of who knows where. Uh, right. But, but you got that stuck in your head. I'm going to travel. My name's Rachel. I'm getting on airplanes. Uh, and that's right. like uh, you knew that. And then the question of uh, is it fate somehow? Are you destined somehow by some external forces or already mm-hmm. pre-programmed by the by the simulation that right. this is going to happen? Uh, or is there something that you have to do with it? Well, there is something you have to do with it. You can choose this one or not. Right. You're offered something and you can choose. So there is that what might be called free will. You could always argue that uh, your choice is already determined and there's no way of, of arguing that. Uh, mm-hmm. That, But you have the sense, you have the sense that we're in a simulation, yes. a computer game. And to your point, I think we're also offered this a big decision right a big fork in the road and i can say for me at least there's big decisions or big if i'm gonna use coincidence and since that's what we're talking about there's i do believe that they there are big coincidences or events that happen in our life where we can very clearly make the decision on whether we want to continue the the straight and narrow path or if we want to go the path less traveled. Right. And I can say for me, it was when I was working in corporate America and I had a nervous breakdown essentially. And I was like, wait, I could keep down this path, which is the path that is essentially chosen for me that I was um, pre that I was destined to, to do if I would have listened to um, my environment. Right. And this includes family, friends, society so all the things or do I want to listen to myself um, and bet on myself and take the road that is the scariest um, but that would allow all of these coincidences and serendipities to unfold to continue to allow me to make decision after decision after decision um, that continue to elevate me right so I, if I wouldn't have made that decision, I still would have been working at my very amazing corporate job, making a lot of money, um, probably married and with 2.5 kids. But I can't imagine that experience over the experience I had now, right? But I wouldn't know about this life if I hadn't chose it, right? One of the things that increases coincidences is to get off the path. Once you, yes. when you break out of that bubble, and that can be uh, lots of things, including um, major stresses in your life. But yes. tra- travel is one of those things that are fall under the stress label because you're you're transiting out of your usual. Not you're not you. Your usual is to travel, so mm-hmm. it's a little different for you. Uh, but in the in the beginning, in the uptake, when you first started getting to travel, when you were breaking the mold, then I would would expect that there were a lot of meaning meaningful coincidences, serendipities that you were presented with because you are outside of the structure. And when you're outside the structure, more stuff can come in that says, "Hey, maybe you you could think about this." Absolutely. There's, um, I would agree when you break out of the construct of your current bubble um, or your current path, there are way more 
um, opportunities for you to make decisions, right? And there are not always these huge, grand, life-changing decisions. I feel like often there are these micro things that happen, right? Um, Could and, you give us an example of a micro thing? Okay, here's an example. I, um, okay, I like the idea of coincidence or this thing happened and it, it shifted my life. So when I left my corporate job, I started backpacking through Southeast Asia by myself. So that was obviously super scary. Although I had traveled before, you know, being a young black single woman, um, flying what 16 hours to Bangkok, Thailand by myself with just a 30 pound backpack on was super scary, but I leaned into it and one of the first few weeks that I was staying in Thailand, I was staying at this really, really nice hostel. Long story short, I was sitting at a table, happened to strike up a conversation with this um, guy who was from Ireland. Um, and he invited me out for the day to do some exploring. And although I kind of didn't want to go and not because of him, but because it was just so hot and humid and I was irritable and hungry and all those things and, you know, trying to kind of cool off. But I made that micro decision to just push through my little bit of irritation and hang out with this guy. And we became good friends. And when we got back, he actually was the first person to introduce me to um, creating products and services online. And that was how he was able to continue to travel. He was like seven years younger than me and making money online and just traveling the world. And I was just admiring him so much. Like, wow, you're younger than me. Um, and you are living the life that I want to live. I just want to make money on my computer and travel. Um, and so he would actually introduce me to his business coach. And that is how I learned how to take my skills and expertise online over a decade ago. And from there, I ended up creating, you know, a brand that allowed me to be featured in all these things and travel to over 70 countries. So I would say that is one micro decision that at the time was so small, but it was like a domino effect of all of these things. And there you were on your own at a youth hostel. And you did the, the thing that makes these coincidences happen. You struck up a conversation with a stranger. That is a fundamental story about how things happen. If you don't start talking, it doesn't happen because you don't know what might have happened. I was in Bangkok a long time ago and met a guy named John, and he and I traveled to Cal Calcutta and Kathmandu together. But we didn't start we didn't start up with a company together. It was just nice to have somebody to travel with uh, in in those places. Uh, so that was a much smaller one that didn't come up with much except i had a companion which was nice to be able to do but what you just illustrated a little dis discussion blossomed into what you want what you wanted and what i keep getting impressed with here rachel is that you had a vision of yourself in the future and yes. you have made that baby happen yes. you have made it happen and that serendipity conversation was a key part of creating the future you wanted to have.
Right. And now that I look back at this amazing journey I've had, I can truly say there were these little micro decisions that to my point, you know, they don't always have to, for to your example, blossom into a business relationship and a fortune 50, you know, company, but it could blossom into having a companion to experience Catman do with like, when is the next time you're going to be there? So, you know, those little things and who knows, maybe he shared an insight with you that you've taken with you um, that maybe saved your life later on. We just don't know. Um, uh, yeah, he, it's- he, 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 he and I shared a story of going to a Buddhist stupa in Kathmandu. Mm. We, we got motorcycles the first day and uh, try to ride up the mountain, but they have stairs, you know, uh, right. so you can't go. So the next day we did bicycles and went up to this Buddhist stupa. And there was a life changing event uh, because we went in and there was a room with a lot of incense and little and little cylindrical uh, places made out of what paper, like thin paper with a place where you could light incense and meditate, but you could do that on your own in the, in the room. So you could meditate together and separately. So we go, wow, this is what a feeling in here. And we, we started walking out and uh, some guy in saffron robe came down and greeted us as we were walking out of the door, that little temple. And he says, the Lama will see you now. <laughs> so here we here was serendipity. I so wow, he was expecting us. So John and I go upstairs, follow this guy, go upstairs, and we there's this big rectangular room um, with um, a shelf, high shelves, about three feet high, with uh, different guys in saffron robes sitting uh, on rugs on this on these shelves. And it won it. So we walk in there. It's like, well, okay, wow, man. So, okay. So at one end was uh, obviously the llama. So we're kind of standing in front of him. My heart was going really fast. I say, well, like, this is, hey, hey, you know, this is like, okay. So there's this very long silence, which seemed like long silence. And the llama begins to speak. And the llama says, would you like to buy a rug? <laughs> oh my God. Seriously? So it was a sales pitch the whole time? Whole time. Wow. That sucks. But what a funny story. <laughs> what a funny that story. Is, it blew that on. is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's there's a lot of cartoons about people climbing the mountain and there's the guru and he said and the guru says <laughs> It's safer to invest in bonds. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of. I saw that afterwards. So it's it. It was a cartoon that actually happened in yeah. the real in real life. So it. So John, I don't know. If, I don't know if I would have done it without John. So mm-hmm. it was like you're right. He and I were able to share some experiences that I might not have done on my own. So, right. And that was, and enough. then look at you have a funny story out of it. <laughs> I have a funny story out of it, yeah, and more, but I won't go through that. But it's <laughs> okay. coming coming down the mountain. Reality really hit me, so in, in a bad way. But I did oh. anyway. Anyway, it's another story. <laughs> I can tell you another time, but it, I don't want to go through that. But it's like, um, well, I decided to ask somebody to marry me. Is what I did. 
Okay. So, I mean, shall we talk about it? It was a bad idea. (laughs) Okay. We'll leave it alone then. Well, it's a longer story, but it turned out to be a bad idea. But that I got to know her through a series of coincidences as well. And that's Mm. another story. My life has been a lot of what I'm just telling you. A lot of these coincidences. They're just, they're funny. And they're like, not so funny sometimes. Mm-hmm. But when I when I hear about you traveling, and one of the stories that really stuck with me when you're talking with uh, on Eon's uh, leadership seminar was that you were traveling around and what sounded like I, I remember Missouri maybe. And one of the things that you've done, which I think is so wonderful and people should know more about, is that you have created a travel book for black Americans or black people mm-hmm. to find places to go where it's safe and comfortable to be. And that, that's, that's a wonderful contribution to the black community. And there was a place I thought in Missouri that you found that would be comfortable for, for visiting there. So I didn't work on that particular book. That book is called the green book. And it's actually really old. It's from, I want to say the 20s. And this, I was, we were kind of talking about it a little bit, but that particular book, um, the original book was black back when black families couldn't travel freely on the road. So they had what's called sundown towns, which meant that you couldn't, black families couldn't travel through these towns after sundown. Um, And so these particular guides were created Um, to help them. So when I created my brand, I would say that I am, was a part of the newer, uh, the black travel movement is what it was coined as. And we were doing it in the millennial way of Instagram and social media, where we were sharing destinations, or I will say I was, was sharing destinations around the world where I did feel safe as a woman, as a black woman, as a black person, um, so kind of looking at as it looking at it as the new green book, like new destinations that you can travel to um, that don't necessarily have to be in the United States. But there are a lot of places around the world where you can experience great food, great people, um, hell, even less racism and those sorts of microaggressions that we may experience depending on where you live in the States. Um, and so I would say my brand was really big on, especially for women, um, places that we could go and where we could travel, where we could feel safe, where we could date, um, where we could have really interesting experiences. Like, I mean, I'm a scuba diver. So if you're interested in those sorts of things, like places that are great for that. Um, so I would say that was my contribution to the black community specifically. All right. I'm glad to clarify that. And it's still a great contribution, especially to black women, uh, to be able to travel the way you did. You broke the ground to be able to get out there in the world on your own uh, and show other people how they could do it. Yeah. And, you know, looking at it now, I'm I am retired. I call myself a retired influencer. So, you know, I don't <laughs> create content anymore. Um, And so I'm like the one that's watching, you know, social media and TikTok and all these things. And I'm always feel so proud that there are so many other content creators that look like me, that don't look like me, that come from uh, even other communities that I'm not familiar with 
who are traveling and creating content and, and sharing their experiences. And it's just one of those, and they're actually getting paid as content creators where, you know, back in the day when I was doing it, it was a new concept. So um, it's really cool to see that I, I feel like I was a pioneer um, in the content creation industry, especially when it comes to black uh, travel creators. Yeah, uh, that's that was the impression I have. I, it looks to me like you like to start things. Yes, I would definitely say um, I I was actually joking with a friend about this not too long ago that, you know, I feel like I'm ahead of my time. Um, and to your point, like I always saw things for myself that I just had this trajectory and I knew that I was going to experience. So I think part of my mission of, of being here, part of my point in this particular game is to come in and spark something and be a pioneer in, you know, leaving a job that doesn't serve you, <laughs> you know, like traveling the world and dating a lot of different people to decide what type of relationship you actually want to have and experience. Um, traveling the world to decide if you actually want to live in different countries, right? Um, traveling the world to decide that there are other ways for you to um, merge your passion and your expertise together and, you know, get paid for it. Right. So I think that um, me coming and sparking something and giving people the idea and really the permission um, is one of my missions for being here. Giving other people the permission to travel and have adventures to join yeah. the adventure game, the, the Super Mario that is real life and that yeah. you can do it and really have a good time. So, yeah. I mean, I, one of one of the most prominent set of coincidences that people pay attention to involve romance. Mm. Uh, it's like, hey, we just, it was meant to be kind of thing. Or was it? Um, could you tell us about some, uh, at least one of the, those prominent romance things that you ran into someplace in some exotic mm. place, perhaps? I will actually. OK, I have one that's actually super recent. Um, so before the summer started, I had this vision of what I called a sultry summer. Right. Like technically we're still in summer, but I really wanted to have this beautiful summer. And when I said sultry, I meant um sexy and sensual and not in a sexual way but like being in the sun dancing eating like amazing food drinking good wine like all the things that feel pleasurable and feel sensual and make me feel really divine and feminine I want to experience those things and I even said I want to have like a little fairy tale love story like that would be cute too <laughs> and so I like kind of threw that out there like that would be cute and so let's fast forward I meet one of my really good friends um, who lives in London we meet in Portugal and we go to this really cool three-day music festival and at this festival I meet this really good looking guy and I call him my festival boyfriend because every day. How did you festival. meet? How did you meet him? I mean, that's the okay. Kind of, so that's, that's what we're talking about here. Okay, so the way I met him, my friend and I, we are actually we have our VIP wristbands. So there's like a special bar um, for people that have these uh, golden tickets, is what they call it. So the highest level ticket, okay, Bernie? Because if I'm gonna do a festival, I have to do it well. And I'm also a little too old to be out with gazillions of people. So 
Anyway, we come to... <laughs> well, those are important comments right there, Rachel. You know, so we get to this particular bar. So there's not a lot of people. And this a, a, a guy um, is trying to talk to my friend or strikes up a small conversation with her. Um, they are chatting and his... And I find out this is the, the cousin, my festival boyfriend's cousin. Um, and so festival boyfriend and I start chatting and I initially thought I was playing wing woman right like a friend is chatting with his cousin he and I are just chatting to not make it awkward right so, so it started it started with the cousin chatting with your friend with my friend that's I mean um, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get yeah the, the, the that's place exactly what happened. the way to turn so again how that happened we'll never really know particularly but mm-hmm. that's the beginning almost like the bangkok meeting it's like those are the what that's where i pay attention to is that yes. that micro detail because that is the begin. it's the seed for the rest of it right and so to your point the bar that we were at didn't have a lot of people because of where we were um, and so that gave us the opportunity to actually talk without the crowds, without, you know, to be able to hear each other. Um, and from there, we um, had with our particular ticket, we got to be in the front of the stage of where the music was taking place. And so every day we would enjoy the festival together, like the final act. And so it was just fun because we had so many things in common. He's traveled to just as many countries as I. Um, we just had just a lot of things. We both lived in uh, the same state at one point. Um, and so it was it was one of those things where once it was over, um, I told my friend, I was like, oh, my gosh, that was such a cute fairy tale. <laughs> like he was you know, very attentive and just really nice and, you know, checked on me, you know, every night that I got home safely. So it was just one of those really cute fairy tale things. We took beautiful photos during the golden hour and it was just, it was really cute. And it was absolutely one of those things I wanted to experience. And I said that I wanted to have like a cute fairy tale story. Um, And so I got it. Your ability to imagine things (laughs) and make them happen is phenomenal. I I could do that on the football field and playing baseball. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's where I saw my ability to do it. And I'm doing that now with the Coincidence Project because I'm maybe ahead of my time, too, in trying to say that meaningful coincidences have something strong to offer uh, humanity. And I'm trying to get people to pay attention to them. So uh, people have called me ahead of my time too. And I, I just see it and I can see how you see things too, and how you help create them. It's, it's having that image and then finding the pieces out there that kind of f- begin to fill the image that you've got already. So it's a kind of a subconscious thing to try to make it happen because you can feel the vibes you can feel mm-hmm. the sense you get an idea of the cousin you get the idea of the guy you, and you have your it, and it begins to match the movie that you've already got it in your mind yeah. I, I, the way you can do it i mean i love the watching <laughs> your mind in this rachel and seeing that you can imagine starting with early on in our conversation where you said you want to travel the world but you could also read and travel also Mm -hmm. and you you are a kinesthetic person you are a moving person so i imagine you also like to dance a lot yes absolutely so 
there's a correlation between dancing and manifesting, do you think? Yeah. Cool. Okay. I, I do because to manifest, you got to act. And mm -hmm. if you act in concert with the music that you can't exactly hear, but it's the vibes of the present environment where you're getting so that as I can do on the dance floor sometimes, become the music. Yes. Once, once you become the part of the environment with your idea about where you're going, then it begins to open up in, in a very smooth way so that it's easy to go from the next move to the next. Right. And I would even say um, to your point about how it, it feels smooth, that the decisions, those micro decisions we spoke about will be easy to make, right? Because to the point about my cute fairy tale music, my festival boyfriend, I could have made the decision not to speak with him, right? Like I technically could have walked away and just been like, they're chatting. I'll let them chat and just walk off, right? And the cousin could have done the same thing or the festival boyfriend could have done the same. But that little micro decision of ch chatting with him and, you know, he's and he's very good looking, very handsome, but he's not actually who I would normally um, prefer. Right. So even in that particular example, it what I took away from that is that, you know, just lean in. And if it feels natural, um, if it's something that feels natural and comfortable, then, you know, look what happens. Look what would have unfolded, because in other circumstances, I probably wouldn't have, you know, chatted with him just randomly right like it had to be an an, an interaction an intersection like that for us to have chatted and I, I i enjoy the elegance of your description of you and the elegance <laughs> you. of you and the movements that you're describing it's really mm -hmm. quite beautiful uh what i think might have happened with that you have an intuitive sense with all your travel uh, what's safe, what's not, and also more subtle things than that. So just standing there near the festival boyfriend-to-be, you could feel something about him in addition to what you saw. You could feel something about him. So you picked up what's in his energy field. You had some sense of resonance with the similarities between the two of you without having to speak it, and you recognize that without knowing that you recognized it consciously, just you recognize something. So in order to do what you've been doing, you've got to have a feel for your environment that is more than just a conscious recognition. I was running back a punt um, one time, and uh, I miss, five guys missed me trying to tackle me. And I, I, was, I could just feel where they were. And I knew I could feel it, but I didn't know then I was doing that. And then as the sixth one was coming to me, I said, oh, five guys missed me. I got out of the vibe when I started being conscious of where I was. You know what I mean? So uh, that's when I got hit really good. Uh, so it, being in the flow as you can be, you have to be in the flow. You have to go through the vibe. You have to be dancing you have to be dancing out there in the world where you go to be able to make all the smooth moves you do coupled with the images you have about what you want to have happen. It's beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I would say it's like dancing, right? Where you feel comfortable, where you feel the rhythm, you move towards that.
versus trying to force things or try to listen to the music and try to step on or count, right? Which I think a lot of times we get stuck in in our regimen of working, home, sleep, shit, you know, and doing all that, those things, right? Like you kind of are counting, counting the rhythm or when you go on vacation, you're trying to rest and do all these things in a short amount of time so you can get back to counting. You never really feel anything when you're trying to consciously count or consciously move or be on step to whatever the instructor said or whoever the instructor is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, let's go to the, let's go to the story of uh, you and Eon or Amalia. She once was known when probably was okay. what the name you knew. Now yes. let's, let's talk about how we know Amalia or Eon. Uh, okay. Um, I know her because she wrote a book uh, called Synchronicity and uh, invited her to start talking with a bunch of people, including me, about coincidences. And eventually we consolidated into a, a board for a, a nonprofit called the Coincidence Project. And uh, Eon, I'm delighted to, to say, uh, just chose to be a board member. So she's one of the 10 board members uh, of the group. And she brings so much talent and capacity and love to the whole operation. So it's been, it's, she's been a great part of uh, our development of the Coincidence Project. So why don't you tell us about how you met Eon? So I, to your point, I know her as Amalia. Um, and the way that we met is when I went, so a friend of our, a mutual friend of ours asked me to house it for her in Mexico. Where in Mexico? Um, in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Um, and at that time I needed a break from life. Um, and so I went in 2019 to house So the, the key thing there is a friend needed a house sitter and ask you. And I needed a break. So it and was you need, the perfect. That, that, that perfect fit. Those lock and key things, some people call it, where mm -hmm. it just fits together so well. Yes. Are, are, I love those. Yes. Uh, sometimes it's small things where a patient of mine uh, is late, but I'm glad the patient is late because I had something to do. Or mm -hmm. they cancel uh, and I'm glad they canceled uh, because I had some else, something else was coming up. Those are small right. things. But he, it's it's there's this idea that Rachel that um that what you're seeking is also seeking you absolutely and it has to find a way to you right so friend needed the house sitter I needed a break I go and house it and while my friend needed the sitter she was there for about a, a week or so tying up some loose ends while she was transitioning to travel for a few months um, and so during that time, um, there was some sort of event and my friend Claire and Amelia were already friends. She invited her over to the house and I think we had lunch or maybe went to the beach or something like that. And she and I became friends. So once our mutual friend Claire left for the summer to do what she needed to do, she and I just became friends from there. Um, and Amelia and I became friends and um, from a spiritual perspective, she really helped me um, learn and grow, right? Like she is really powerful in her gifts. And so just being able to learn from her, uh, we're both dancers. So being able to dance together um, and to your point about flowing through life, 
um, and having a friend who I can actually dance with and who gets it um, is how we met. And we've been friends ever since. You're dancing still. You're dancing still. I, I Let's go back to Super Mario for a bit. Um, because okay let's go (laughs) (laughs) because the idea of life being a simulation Mm -hmm. is uh out there now um partly because the way human beings conceptualize the world is often related to how their uh, machines operate Mm -hmm. like computer was like the human mind thinking uh thinking like the human mind it doesn't uh but there was analogies made and for telepathy uh we could imagine that the 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 telephone is kind of a telepathic thing because you can hear voice from of somebody who's not there so who who is operating who is creating how there's got to be something else if there's a mario super mario game that we're in like who's making the game i think if we are thinking about a game right um okay there's a few different angles that i have go for I it think go who, for it who is operating me i think that there is a higher version of me right whether it's your highest self there are some people who call it you know your highest self your highest version of yourself right that is operating this avatar, this flesh suit, meat suit, or whatever um, people call it here. Um, I like meat on- suit. I I call it earth suit, but meat suit's good too. Yeah. So you have this, uh, this, the player, right? I think a higher version is the player. And I, as in like holding the controller. And then I think we are the actual super mario within the game right but there are limitations within this suit right and the player is trying to if you are playing video games or like mortal Kombat, there's like different tools that you can activate right but you have to grab those tools as you continue to go through the game and so as you grab tools if you need it when you come up against a challenge you can activate said tool so i think the higher version of me is the player that is like hey rachel take the right turn here's a tool to activate here is a friend who can help you uh heal in this particular way here is a a therapist who can help you become clear so you can make a better decision these are tools that we're activating along the way as far as the creator of the game i think like any other game there's before we get to the before we get to the creator of the game let's talk about the higher self and the communicating with you because i want to get to the creator but that's that's yet a higher level of the, okay. the discussion. The, the, how does your um, higher self communicate with you? So the way it communicates with me is I've, I feel like at this point I've created a relationship where or my intuition is sensitive enough. My knowing is sensitive enough is sensitive enough for me to kind of hear. So sometimes I hear in an audible way, um, but oftentimes it's just, I know that I know that I know and nothing can shift me from it. Kind of like when I was a kid, I just knew I was going to be traveling and it wasn't anything anyone could say to me that was going to knock me off of that thing. Right. 
And there's typically, when we talk about our body, I feel a sense of safety um, in the knowing, right? If it's a confusion there, or if my body kind of feels tingly or whatever, and it could be anxiety, it could be fear, it could be a lot of things. But even through that, if I feel a sense of I can push through this versus confusion, I'm typically know if it's confusion, it's not my higher self. It's typically the limitations of my environment or um, some other internal or external uh, function that is trying to stop me. Sometimes I virus, if you will. Sometimes I get intuitive messages that make me anxious. Mm -hmm. And that's because um, I if I don't do them, I think if I don't follow this intuition, uh, trouble will happen. So the anxiety mm. drives me to be able to uh, act more quickly, more clearly. See, my response is is a little bit of the opposite. Even it in the anxiety, if I feel no confusion, like I said, for me, it's the confusion piece. Um, not so much. I, I typically feel a sense of safety within my in my own body. It, it, the, the confusion might throw you up. You don't feel anxiety. I thought you mentioned that. I feel a little anxiety, but if it's anxiety plus confusion, then I know it's not for me. If it's anxiety plus clarity or a sense of there will be a solution that will happen, I typically know that there is an out or some, some something in that nature, then I can kind of lean into the anxiety of there's about to be a big shift happening. But if it's anxiety coupled with confusion, I know it's not my operator. I love that. Anxiety with clarity versus anxiety with confusion. Mm -hmm. uh, right. I meant right for me. That's what I that's what I would also try to be able to say. Uh, I just uh, published a post. I have a Psychology Today blog, and I just published a post uh, entitled On Hearing Voices. Mm -hmm. On Hearing Voices. And it the subtitle was sometimes uh, those voices can be helpful mm -hmm. uh, something like that and i told three stories um and one of them was two of them were people being told by what seemed like an external voice to move uh, in a certain way and had they not moved they would have been dead hit mm -hmm. by hit by trucks in these two cases and for me it was like trying to decide should i go left or right and uh, I had been imagining trying to be able to see a, a singer songwriter here in Charlottesville uh, named Devin Spruill. And I've been trying to figure out how can I market my book in Charlottesville just locally because my mm -hmm. book's coming out in, in a month or in September 6th. And I didn't have much answers to either one of them. So this voice I'm out in the, along the river in Charlottesville and the voice says, uh, go left, going right mm -hmm. goes back to the parking lot. And I go left and there's Devin Spruill um, about to play uh, in an mm. outdoor concert. And I meet some, a, a couple have a good time with them. Uh, and we have uh, dinner together next week. And without my saying anything, they say, would you like a, us to put on a party for your book? So wow. it was realizing what I wanted, mm -hmm. something like what you've described, by listening to the voice, had I gone right, it wouldn't have happened. Uh, gone left, those two things did happen. Mm -hmm. So I, I, 
I was really surprised to see that in the first three days, uh, that post got about 20,000 uh, downloads. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. And, and for, for me, that was the fastest uptick that I've had in uh, Psychology Today posts. Mm -hmm. What do you think of what drove so many people to want to uh, tune into that uh, particular post? I think, <clears throat> excuse me, immediately I thought it obviously resonates with a lot more people than we realize, right? Um, I And I also think now as our society is changing, some would argue that it's collapsing. I would argue that it's reshifting itself. I think, you know, as above, so below. So as there is becoming a reshift here, there's also a reshift where people, if we think about our brains or this being a simulation or supercomputer, um, there are tools coming online, right? There are different, if we're all connected to the same network, perhaps there has been an upgrade to the system and people are starting to hear voices, but they haven't, you know, um, taken the time to really listen to themselves or meditate or, you know, maybe talk to a therapist and realize it's not that they're crazy, is that they are connecting to this particular network and that you can actually use it to your advantage and not something to fear. Now, there are people who may hear voices and it could be a part of a mental illness or they're disassociating or those sorts of things. But I think what's happening now is that a lot of people are hearing their their player now. I think that's what's happening. I think people are starting to hear their player um, because they cannot control it. They might be hearing sometimes other players or um, other, um, you know, things in the simulation that are trying to knock them off <laughs> the course. And I think people don't know what to do with it now. Two things that they're hearing their player says Rachel, and the system's being upgraded. I just yeah. went, I just went from Windows 8 to Windows 10. So it's by the, I was, I need it, but it's upgraded. Uh, but the idea that the whole, the whole thing is being upgraded now is a wonderful metaphor. Um, and listening to their player is what I think is happening. I think this player has been talking to me trees talk i hear trees talking with me too and i think there are other voices out there that we can tune into but because i'm a psychiatrist i can say hey it's not always crazy it's easy i can get away with that with some kind of confidence because i have the credentials to be able to do it so let's talk about that uh that that player uh and it's the same old question about who's playing the player Mm. So I believe that the player, the the big the the actual player with the controller is playing me. Um again. I, I don't mean that, but who's playing the player playing you? So if we're thinking about a game, I think there's developers, right? Like yes. every game has developers. So, you know, who the developers are of the actual game or who is the player reporting to like why are you playing a game what's the point of this game um there obviously has there's like layers to this yeah now who is playing the player i don't know it could be what we consider god um but then i would argue that okay if god is the manager of my highest self as a player then who's managing god if we're thinking about the hierarchy of 
any institution or organization. I think it could go out, out, out. Um, but at the same time, I am kind of like, why even try to figure that part out when I'm just trying to get through the game? You know, I want to enjoy the game as much as possible because maybe I won't remember this one when I get out of here because I'm jumping into another game to master some other aspect of myself or my highest self is moving on to the next module in the game. Ah, well, my thing is to keep asking questions about how the whole thing works. Mm -hmm. And part, part of asking about whole thing how the whole thing works is around coincidences. How do they happen? Mm -hmm. And you're giving me some idea of how you think they happen. I think there's a, maybe an earth coincidence control office is one mm -hmm. term that's been used that that helps manage the the players as they are running the game because somebody absolutely as you very well know um, people who write code need to have a lot of information in the whole world of the code around them so they could bring it down to what the code they're writing to be able to imagine all the interrelationships among and between people and things and weather and whatever else is happening around us, it takes a, a, a good mind to be able to master and play with that idea and I, I play with that level. And I, I'm trying to see, answer the question of how we are interconnected because we are interconnected somehow in this this simulation. And I would say it's a server, right? If we're going to go use computers, there has to be some sort of server that we are connected to. We're all like, if we think about the internet, or if we think about um, back in the day where there was like rooms of just like huge servers, if we're thinking in that in that particular perspective there has to be one source of energy that we are connected to now how i don't know i know there's you know numbers and cheat codes and i even think about that if we're playing a game there's always cheat codes to the game so my questions are what are the cheat codes how do i get to the path of least resistance how do i use cheat codes in my favor to make sure that I'm winning the game and I'm getting the most points, the most tools, I meet the most people, um, I help the most people that I can um, before is before the, the clock is up, right? Before I have to get out of here. What are cheat codes? I think the cheat codes are, I mean, there's, if we look back into ancient texts, I know there is a lot of cheat codes in the sense of, Hell, meditation is a cheat code, right? Silencing your mind enough to allow your player to actually give you the information to move forward. That's a simple cheat code. Um, I know that people are using these um, these numbers. I don't know where the numbers come from, but there's numbers that you can write down and apparently your subconscious recognizes it as some sort of code, right? Like how you're writing code for a program and it can reconfigure your subconscious. I'm not sure if that works. I haven't really tried it. Um, I mean, even if we think about Qigong and Reiki and um, acupuncture, if we think about, um, you know, candle magic or 
calling in other entities, right? Like, I think there are a lot of different codes, past life regressions, uh, taking psychedelics. All of those are cheat codes in my mind. How do you spell that? Cheat codes. A cheat code? Yeah. C-H-E-A-T code. Cheat. So cheat. I didn't, because I heard chi like as an energy. No, a cheat (laughs) code. Like when I think about Super Mario, I remember my cousin's mom actually bought us a book on how I guess I mean I hate to say it but how to cheat the game like how it's a layout of the actual module if you will in all the places you can go to get the most points where the secret rooms are the secret tunnels how you can essentially look at this map and go through and get all of the the basically play the game to the best of your ability and get all that is available to you so you can beat the game faster with the most goal, with the most tools, with the most everything before you leave. I call that being meta to the game uh, is getting Mm. above the game so you can see how it's played, which means Mm. the rules that govern the govern it. I do psychotherapy. So I have to look at how people are programming themselves and help them get to their what I'll call a self-observer that then can find a way through the confusion with simple ideas that make it easier for them to change. Okay. And that's my metaphor. That's my metaphor for a cheat code. I love this cheat code thing um, because yeah. it's, it's uh in cheating, meaning ways to bypass um, longer periods of suffering. Let's talk about it. I mean, with your particular, with your expertise, you meet with clients. They are looking to fast track their traumas. They're looking to cheat their way um, instead of taking the longest route. Can I cut across the grass? You know, when you talk <laughs> about uh, playing sports, right? Like, can I cut across the field to get there quicker, faster, sooner versus walking around the perimeter of the fields. Okay. No, I, I was returning a kickoff and mm-hmm. uh, from the three yard line and I was going up the right side and uh, in a moment of real quiet with some guys ready to cut me off uh, along the sideline on the right sideline, I had a voice. I heard myself say to myself, well, John Green, a guy, another guy on the team last week, cut across the field that's what you just said he cut across the field and went and and scored so i think i said i think i'll do that too so i cut across to the left and went 97 for the touchdown and that that being able to be open in a quiet moment to that input from the higher self at that at that time is part of what you're being able to tell us we have the capacity to do. And that's a part of the cheat coding capacity is to be able to do it more efficiently. And you have done it so well in your suit, in your super Mario game. It's so, so much fun to hear how you imagine and things happen and you partly make them happen. And partly you don't because they appear and we don't know how much is you and how much is blah, 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 blah. We can do all that. But I focus on the choices you can make, the imagining you can do. And now you're adding a nice phrase, the cheat codes that can get us to do this a little for me, a little a little faster. So yeah. we're, we're coming to the to the end of our time, Rachel. Um, and I, I very much 
appreciate your uh, joining me and Thank letting you me for having me. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's it's uh, I, I love hearing how you think and what your experiences are. And I, I think uh, some of our audience will also very much enjoy what you're bringing to us as we think about our place in the coincidence world that I'm trying to bring to people's awareness. Uh, sometimes I ask at the end, uh, I'll ask you if you want to, just tell us something yet more personal about yourself that, that might be uh, mm. uh, fun for people to know. You've told us already a bunch of things. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, what else could I say? Personal, like a fun fact? Yeah. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to find something interesting. I don't like spicy food as much as I've traveled around the world. I will not eat spicy food. So that limits my capacity sometimes to enjoy a destination or at least the food part of a destination. Bangkok. I know that's probably not as interesting. as It's about you. And that's what I, that's what I was asking for. And that just reminds me in Bangkok, I had a, a chili pepper that was the hottest one I've ever, I've ever had. Boy, they had, they've got them there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to handle that at all. I didn't want I didn't want to go back to that. <laughs> I didn't want to go back. Well, Rachel, thank you very, very much um, for the pleasure of um, being able to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. This psychosphere is a mental atmosphere like a hologram. Cosmic consciousness